Blog Talk Radio. But Obama wants to own the word fair and the phrase middle class. And yet, who has done more destruction to working people in this country than Obama? Why isn't it proper to point out the Democrat base is made up, for the most part, of the nation's losers? Free enterprise can do a better job of producing the things that people need than government can. Less government and less taxes and more freedom for the people. Iran, Cuba... Venezuela, these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union. Break myself an American flag, never give up the freedom my pop bar for us to have, never give it back. Same with the gas, you can never take that, never take that. On this Memorial Day, as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes, and I see many of them in, in the audience here today.
of courage and a commitment to something greater than themselves. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Well, well, first, let's take care of our business. Today's date, June 27th, already. Beautiful old town, Alexandria is where I am. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I'm laughing for two reasons. Today marks a marks a hallmark in my evolution on this planet. I received in the mail my AARP card. Mhm. Yep. I am officially <laughs> an old person. I am a senior citizen. I can't believe it. I can't believe I made it this far. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I decided I was going to go for a ride, take my bike out and go for a ride. I owned a pretty nice mountain bike. I thought I'd go out for a little ride this afternoon. And so, as I was getting ready it dawned on me that along with the AARP card, I'm not a kid anymore. Remember when we used to take our bicycles and just ride? You know, get on them and start pedaling. We either take them out of our room or most of us from the garage and we'd go out and ride. Well, here I am. Here here I am putting on the shoes. First thing you got to do is put on the shoes because there's special shoes for riding bikes now, especially a mountain bike. Now, the shoes cost more than the bike I owned as a kid, probably more than two bikes. I owned a Swin and another bike. So... I'm thinking about the shoes, and I'm thinking, damn. So I put the shoes on. Then I've got the gloves. you got to put the, the gloves on. Then after you put the gloves on, you got to put the helmet on. Then after I put the helmet on, 
The helmet, the, the, the best helmets are determined by the number of holes in the helmet. If you've got a lot of holes in your helmet, then you have a really good helmet. So put the helmet on, strap that on. Then I put the camelback, which is uh, sort of a combination backpack uh, water dispenser. It has a little mouthpiece you put in your mouth and you just suck the water up out of the out of the camelback. Put that on. And then I have to have a place for my phone, so I put the fanny pack on. And the fanny pack keeps my phone, keys, a little change, garage door opener, that kind of thing. After I get all this stuff on, I'm ready to go. But it's taken me just about 10 to 12 minutes to put all that stuff on, be able to roll out, to be safe. And I thought, today I received my AARP card, and here I am rolling out on a bicycle that costs as much as someone's car, and I'm wearing all this gear, and I probably look ridiculous, what happened to those simpler times when we were kids and you just got on the bike and rode? You didn't need to have a helmet. You didn't need special shoes. You didn't even need a fancy bike. You just needed one with air and a tire and you you know, you just roll out and ride out. And I thought about how complicated life has become. How complicated things become when you when you get older and i thought that getting older things would be a lot simpler but that simply is not the case so without further ado that's my story for today <laughs> yeah man i tell you what it's it's a crazy world so while while you think about that The news today on The Blaze, the new Black Panthers declares, we will hunt pink asses down, kill them, dig them up, and kill them again and again and again. There's the new Black Panthers talking about how they're going to kill Whitey. Whitey, your asses are out. Because the new Black Panther Party has decided that they are going to kill you. And they're going to eliminate capitalism. Our brother, Brother General Taco, the new Black Panther radio host. General Taco, T-A-C-O, well that stands for Taking All Capitalists out Taco the brother he wants to get rid of Whitey and all that Whitey stands for now General Taco is of the new Black Panther Party and he had some less than encouraging words for you white folks out there General Taco speaking on MBPP radio on Sunday, decided to let white America know what the 
NBPP. Let us let let, let, let you white folks know that the NBPP will hunt their pink asses down. Hunting white people down will serve to accomplish General Taco's other stated goal. And that goal is to destroy white supremacy and, of course, capitalism. General Taco also justifies his killing of white people because of their history of pushing crack, AIDS, and unemployment on black men and women in order to exterminate them. And I thought it was mostly black folks pushing crack on black folks. But simply hunting and killing the white person does not satisfy Mr. Taco. He went on to say, and I quote, Once white people die, we should dig them up, kill them again, bury them, dig them up, and kill them again and again and again. Let's listen to General Taco talk about it. No doubt about it, brother. In, cl- in closing, give us the future. What is the future for the new Black Panther Party? What is the future for the Black Riders Liberation Party? What is our future, black man? Our future is absolute total destruction of racism and white supremacy and capitalism on the planet. That's what this just done. Just guaranteed beyond a shadow of a doubt that capitalism and white supremacy is at its end. It is a dying phenomenon. By us just linking up, we just got super deep. We just got so deep that the white men know there's going to be a panther all around the country hunting your pink ass down. We is only boys. We don't care what you do to us. We recognize game. We understand how you destroyed the party back in the day. And we just brought this shit back together. Now die. Like um, power to the people. But, General Taco, we thank you so much. Let me say on behalf of our NASA chairman, NASA Central Committee, you already know this, but we want to say this on the air. We thank you all so much for your sacrifice coming all from Los Angeles, California, to be with us in Atlanta, Georgia. And breaking bread with us and building with us and organizing with us, putting the pins to the pads and organizing the many cases. We thank you all so much and love you all so much, family. Definitely, definitely, though, brother. And I want to go with something like Khalid Muhammad said back in the day about our enemies. See, once they die, once they put in the grave, they did so much scallish shit, pushing crack, pushing AIDS, pushing unemployment. Pushing destruction on our people. They thought they were going to bring about the black man and the black woman's extermination. So because of this history of brutal scandalousness, we must up our game. And once they die, we should dig them up and kill them again. Bury them, dig them up, and kill them again, and again, and again. Black power. Black power. Power (laughs) to the people. That is our brother. That's our brother, your brother. Comrades, you can hear it in him. He's ready for the battle, ready for the action, oh, ready goodness. to make war with this beast on all fronts. That's our brother, brother General. Dig Tucker. up Whitey. Dig up Whitey and kill him. And kill him again. It it wouldn't be funny if it wasn't so tragic. It wouldn't be tragic if it wasn't so damn funny. This is enough to make a black man want to turn white. 
hearing this kind of thing. <laughs> Do you believe that? Anyway, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come right back, and then we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. So I hope you're stay tuned. And to call in numbers 347-884-8500. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. All right, let's get this party started. Finally, it would be incomplete if I did not congratulate the city of Miami for having the world champion of Miami Heat. Doubt about it, brother. In, cl- in closing, give us the future. What is the future for the new Black Panther Party? What is the future for the Black Riders Liberation Party? What is our future, black man? Our future is absolute total destruction of racism and white supremacy and capitalism on the planet. That's what this just done. This guaranteed. (laughs) Okay. All right. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. This is what we got to deal with, folks. This is what we've got to deal with right now. Now, let me just start off like this. This way. Obama doesn't know what outsourcing means, apparently. Could somebody please... Please get Barack Obama to shut the hell up about outsourcing. Until some undergraduate aide has at the very least explained to him what the word outsourcing means. Because as it stands, the president of the United States of America, this genius, folks, the smartest man in the room, is showing himself an ignorant rube. The ultimate affirmative action hire. And this is to nobody's advantage, folks. Nobody. It's a sad tale. Obama's campaign, as you probably know, has been running ads denouncing Mitt Romney's role at Bank Capital, in which Romney made various business deals that had the effect of making a whole lot of money for Bain's customers, while also allowing a lot of dirty foreigners to eat. God knows the world would be better off if a billion some Chinese were hungry and desperate. That being an obvious recipe for global stability. Because the Obama campaign knows that one of its most important constituencies is economically illiterate morons. Yokels, a demographic to which the president himself apparently belongs. It's on the airwaves. Claiming Romney never stood up to China. Barack Obama says all he's ever done is send them our jobs. Whose jobs? The Obama campaign cites a Washington Post story on the subject. And Romney's campaign has noted that the folks over at um, the Washington Post 
that did not distinguish between outsourcing and offshoring. And indeed, the story, well, it's not a very smart story. You read it for yourself. Obama responded thus, and I quote, Yesterday, his advisors tried to clear this up by telling us that there was a difference between outsourcing and offshoring. Seriously, you can't make this up. And indeed, you wouldn't have to make it up because it's the real thing. Different words with different meanings. These are different words with different meanings. Can somebody get Mr. Obama a library card or a thesaurus or a dictionary or something? Have somebody whisper in his ear that outsourcing and offshoring do not mean the same thing. Not even close. And to drive my point home, let me explain. Outsourcing happens when a firm contracts out its non-core functions to other vendors, i.e. or e.g. a hotel decides to hire a cleaning service rather than keep maids on the hotel payroll to take an extreme but Illustrative case, consider that the firms that provide car driving services do not manufacture their own automobiles or stitch their driver's uniforms or even though doing so would create jobs, they outsource those tasks to GM or Ford and whomever makes their uniforms likewise. Their communications are outsourced to Apple or Motorola or uh, RIM. But at least they should buy American, right? GM is an American company building American cars. But it too outsources many of its needs, sometimes to other U.S.-based companies, sometimes to companies overseas. Moving facilities overseas is what? Offshoring means. Moving facilities overseas is what offshoring means. It is not synonymous with outsourcing. GM has decided that it can build cars without manufacturing brake pads or tires, much less manufacturing steel or rubber. And its production partners include facilities, workers, and investors from around the world. This is, and it should go without saying, a good thing. People who talk about the virtues of global cooperation rarely recognize, they rarely recognize it when they see it. But of course, the idea of GM as an American company is itself a bit suspect. In his 2002 paper on outsourcing, Professor Gene Grossman of Princeton cites the World Trade Organization study about American cars. 30% of the car's value goes to Korea for assembly. 17.5% to Japan for components and advanced technology. 7.5% to Germany for design. 
2.4% to Taiwan and Singapore for minor parts, 2.5% to uh, the United Kingdom for advertising and marketing services, and 1.5% to Ireland and Barbados for data processing. This means that only 35% of the production value of a General Motors car is generated here in the United States. Now, when I last checked, it was Obama who bailed out GM and is allegedly damn proud of it. Notice that a lot of that value is going to relatively high-wage countries. Japan, Germany, Singapore, Ireland. As the Washington Post story notes, many of Bain's investments during Romney's tenure were in firms building facilities in Singapore, Taiwan, South Korea, Germany, Ireland, France, and Australia. Not exactly the desperate Chinese sweatshops of anxiety and lore. France, for God's sake. And that's an important corrective to the usual knuckle, knuckle-headed narrative about offshoring. Poor, desperate, third-world brown types subsisting on four grains of rice a day are stealing our jobs, right? This is what Barack Obama would have you believe. But you'll notice that capital is not exactly rushing to Haiti or Rwanda in order to build shiny new factories. While Germany, where workers do not come cheap, remain a manufacturing powerhouse. And that's because lower wages are not the goal of offshoring. High productivity is the goal of offshoring. There's a reason that BMW does not move all of its manufacturing operations to India. And patriotism's not it, folks. In fairness, Romney has said some dumb things about China, too. Doing a lot of silly and pointless, uh, pointless saber-rattling about Beijing's monetary policy, currency manipulators, who cares about that stuff? Have you heard of Ben Bernanke? He's doing the very same thing. But he also said some smart things about China. And promising action on more legitimate grounds such as wholesale Chinese thievery of U.S. intellectual property, a problem about which something can really be done about. But what's interesting about this controversy to me is the naked xenophobia of the left on display alongside the amusing ignorance. You see, liberals love a good talk about the value of learning from other cultures and other people, so long as those foreigners don't mind staying poor. If they want to sell goods and services, then they're your enemy. Asians are allowed to be uh, airy gurus and quaint villagers. But the day one of them wants to set up a, a factory, Democrats have a fit. You want collective, coordinated, global cooperation to solve the world's most pressing problems? Is that what you want? That doesn't look like a working group meeting 
at the United Nations, does it? It looks like what Bain does. Bain Capital. You want a display of backward, ignorant chauvinism? Put Obama in front of a union hall. The guy's a clown. There's a famous and possibly appropriate story about Milton Friedman being taken on a tour of a giant Chinese infrastructure project of some kind in which the workers were using old-fashioned shovels and picks and wheelbarrows. Curious, Friedman asked his guide why they weren't using bulldozers or other heavy machinery. The answer was, we care about creating jobs for our people. To which Friedman responded, then why not use spoons? I wonder if Barack Obama could answer Milton Friedman, Milton Friedman's question. All right. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll get this party kicked off even more. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I am your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll be right back. He blames his predecessor for his own failures. Thank you very much. He talks incessantly. But says almost me, nothing. Me, me. I, 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 my, my, my. He always takes credit for the successes of others. After a firefight, I killed Osama bin Laden and took custody of his body. He wants everyone to work for the government so they always vote for him. He is the least interesting man in the world. He doesn't always stuff the ballot, but when he does, doesn't need ID. Vote often, my friends. In the State of the Union Address, President Obama vowed to make top income earners and small businesses pay their fair share by ending the Bush tax cuts and doubling the tax rate on their investments. What exactly is a fair share? According to the most recent information available from the IRS, the top 1% of taxpayers pay about 30% of all federal income tax. The top 10% pay about 55%, and the top 50% pay the rest. A fact Obama omits is that millions of small business owners pay their businesses taxes on their own personal tax returns. For example, a small business with 20 employees on Main Street easily have one million in income. That's right, the guy who owns the hardware store, restaurant, or contracting company, all in that top tax bracket. But here's the kicker that Obama never discusses. Half of all American workers pay no income taxes at all, and 30% will end up getting money back from the government beyond what was deducted from their pay. It's like they're getting a bonus check from the government. Not only are they paying zero, they're getting free money from Uncle Sam. So, if the top 50% are not paying on a fair share, how do those who pay nothing stack up with Obama's everyone-should-pay-a-fair-share doctrine? 
President Obama thinks the answer is to pit Americans against one another, to ignite a class warfare just to get reelected. Is this who we are? Is this who we become? President Obama thinks so. need to get serious about winning the future. Barack Obama says that we need to win the future. Unfortunately for us, his government is mortgaging our future. By taking responsibility for our deficits. The United States now borrows $5 billion every day to fund the government. Under President Obama, the national debt has increased from $9.9 trillion to $14.2 trillion in just two years. And in 2010 alone, Obama's government issued as much new debt as all the other governments of the world combined. By cutting wasteful, excessive spending wherever we find it. The total liabilities of the United States government are now $65 trillion. And the interest payments alone are $500 million per day. So, what's your share of all these government liabilities? $753,799. Winning the future involves out hustling everybody else. It looks like we're the ones being hustled. It's time to win the future. We agree. Call Congress and tell them if Obama wins, we all lose. of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. To him, the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want precedent? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. <laughs> I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. It's taken, it's taken um, three, three and a half years into Obama's presidency for most Americans to realize that he's been deliberately destroying America by driving up the nation's debt and deficit and by reducing privately held wealth 
forcing millions onto the public dole, undermining its moral structure, and weakening the nation's reputation internationally. He's done all that. Now, his latest lie is that the private sector, the private sector is doing just fine. That we need more government hiring, local, state, federal. Now, the numbers tell the whole story. And, and, and one can find them on an excellent blog. Uh, and I write for that blog from time to time called Economic Collapse. That offers, well, over 70, 80 examples. For example, here. The official U.S. unemployment rate has been above 8% for 40 months in a row. Unofficially, it is estimated to be closer to 15%. And in 2007, about 10% of all unemployed Americans had been out of work for 52 weeks or longer. Today, today, that number is above 30%. An astounding 49% of all Americans live in a home where at least one member is receiving government benefits, 49%. The middle class is shrinking. 95% of the jobs lost during the current recession were middle class jobs. Instead of cutting spending to reduce debt, the Federal Reserve is monetizing much of the U.S. debt. It purchased approximately 61% of all government debt issued by the U.S. Treasury in 2011. Perhaps the most frightening statistic cited was a survey that found that 63% of Americans believe that the U.S. economic model is broken. It's not broken. The economic model that propelled America into a superpower would continue to provide prosperity or prosperity if the nation's entitlement programs were reformed, if the obscene government spending and production of uh, production of regulations were reduced. If government housing finance entitlements such as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were eliminated, if the government, the federal government if their purchases of the nation's landmass were ended, if environmental laws without any basis in science were struck from the books, if government control over the exploration and extraction of its vast energy reserves were greatly reduced. Now, that's a tall order. And it would require cleaning out a Congress that has imposed unsustainable burdens on this great nation including the highest corporate in income tax in the world. And the, and the level of taxation that requires those still holding jobs to annually work 107 days to earn enough money to pay local, state, and federal taxes alone, not, not all your other bills. Now, if you check out the uh, Progressive Caucus website, you'll find nearly... 70 members of the House are members, and there's one from the Senate, the socialist Bernie Sanders in the 1950s, 
the social the, the socialist Bernie Sanders in the 1950s they would have correctly been identified as communists. Now, uh, when liberals and uh, liberalism became unpopular, they began using the term progressives. They're the they are the descendants of every Democrat that voted for the New Deal, the war on poverty, the creation of Fannie and Freddie, and the creation of the Department of Energy, Education, and Environmental Protection Agency. These are the people who in the early years of the last century imposed the income tax and engineered the creation of the Federal Reserve, a banking cartel that controls the economy. Folks, a lot of you know that the Federal Reserve is not part of the federal government. But at this point, most conservative conservatives have heard of uh, Saul Lewinsky and of his 1972 book, Rules for Radicals, a guide to bringing about the destruction of the nation's capitalistic economic system and replacing it with the kind of government that Barack Obama has tried to impose with the help of uh, the many communists and liberals in Congress. Lesser known, though, is the roadmap spelled out in 1988 by Colombian, uh, Columbia University socialist uh, Richard Andrew Cloward and his hideous wife, Frances Fox Piven, both members of the Democrat Socialists of America Party. Say you haven't heard those folks before, but have you heard of the cloud-given strategy advocating a massive drive to recruit the poor into the welfare roles in order to sabotage it and bring about a political and financial crisis? As it turns out, it was the collapse of the housing market that brought about the financial crisis they wanted. But following the Bush administration's energy bailout, and the banking system, the Obama administration, with its Democrat-controlled Congress, set about imposing historic debt through its $821 billion stimulus program. Wow. And our present debt exceeds the entire annual gross domestic product. GDP, baby. So, it seems that the cloud-driven strategy is at work here. And Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals is also at play. We have a double whammy coming here. We got a sandwich happening. Southern Sense is in the house. Glad to see you. Even though, even though, Voters returned majority power to Republicans in the House of Representatives in 2010. The trail of destruction has continued, and the bills they have passed to end our present financial troubles have been locked up in a uh, Democrat-controlled Senate and have not passed a budget. They haven't passed a budget in three years. Somebody should be impeached for this. So here we are now five months away from an election to remove Obama from power and electing conservative lawmakers to office. Well, it's a start. 
It's a start to restoring America to its former prosperity. And let's hope we get to that point pretty damn quick. By the way, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Southern Sense is in the house. Her show, Southern Sense with Annie Cool Mike, uh, is on, uh, well, there's going to be a show tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Got to be there. Once again, I noted that uh, that Southern Sense, Annie the Radio Chick's show, has once again been featured one of the staff's picks. Just saw it run across my screen again. Slightly jealous. I wonder how much Southern Sense, Annie the Radio Check, and Cool Mike had to, who they had to bribe, who they had to pay, because they're being consistently featured. And me, your humble host, hasn't been featured once. In fact, I even called to complain one time because my nemesis, in fact, my good friend from the Black Sphere, his show's on at 9 o'clock. He competes with my good buddy uh, G-Ski, G-Ski Rocks. Anyway, Kevin Jackson is constantly being featured. And I called to complain that Kevin is constantly being featured while I'm being ignored. And that Kevin has gone to taking to uh, putting up, posting up a tux picture of him in a tux in a similar pose like me on my show. So here Kevin Jackson is imitating me with a tux pic. And he's being featured and I'm not. Is this how they treat Dr. Clarence Robert Jones, the third when he hosts a show on Blog Talk Radio. Southern Sense is prettier than me. Show featured all the time. Yep. It's a sad state of affairs. What? It's only sad for me. <laughs> no, I am very proud of uh, both Kevin Jackson and, um, and uh, Southern Sense. Their shows are some of the best on Blog Talk Radio. The very best. And I urge you to tune in. Not to Kevin Jackson's The Black Sphere, though, because he's competing with my guy G-Ski, G-Ski Rocks. So, only tune in to Kevin when G-Ski isn't doing a show. Other than that, let's let that go. All right. But uh, we also have another show, Conservative Primetime comes on at 11.30. So if you got to get up, you know, you're sleeping, you got to get up, you got to go pee, you know, and you just can't get back to sleep, it's around 11.30, 12 o'clock, tune in. Tune in to uh, Conservative Primetime with GGT 183. Cool Mike is often there, along with Sarge. Uh... Anyway, so let's take a short break. We'll come right back and we'll finish up this. uh, We'll finish up the rest of the show. All right, we'll be right back. Please join the Hit Hit Squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to the Situation Report. 
Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network, alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. Taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends. Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do do, do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. An open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So the reason Key said that Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Barack Obama was because of Obama's fanatical support of abortion to the point of condoning infanticide. You can't handle the truth! Political correctness gone wild. These aren't really good reasons to suggest that he's scared, only that he's stupid. What is your major malfunction, you You are cock-blocking. You are in the way. <laughs> I'm looking into trying to get a rooster that doesn't crow. Are you going to trust me or your lying eyes? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me sure. Well, I believe in the principle that you pay as you go. <laughs> Obama was, in the words of Louis Farrakhan, elected before he was elected. There's a rhyme in there somewhere. Why so serious? I laugh out loud with glee. At every opportunity, I'm standing in the grocery line. Ha 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 I'm uh, doing laundry. Ha <laughs> Oh, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> I was napping. And it's all because of the news today. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? This is David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. You're listening to Dr. C. Robert Jones and the Situation Report. Every weekday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Tomorrow's the big day. Tomorrow's the big day where we get a triple whammy. We got the job numbers come out on Fox and Friends at exactly 8.30 every Thursday. We got the holder contempt vote. And we've got the Obamacare ruling. It's going to be a busy day. I don't plan to leave my house until all three of those that I just mentioned, that I laid out for you, are revealed. 
I want job numbers or job list numbers. I want the vote for holder, contempt, and I want the Obamacare ruler, and then I want the commentary because we're going to talk about it. A lot of blog talk hosts are going to be talking about it all day tomorrow and all night. You have got to tune in. You have got to tune in to me at 8 p.m. to 9 to hear my take on the whole thing. And you've got to talk. What? Oh, Southern Census Show is not tomorrow, but Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Guest is Chuck Kirkpatrick of the People's Vote. All right. I stand corrected. So tomorrow is going to be a great day. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight, a little bit, we're going to try to get a little bit into victimhood, the unknown ideal, victimhood. Remember when Roseanne Barr and a lot of actors and actresses came out crying on Oprah's show and shows like that about how their granddaddies abused them sexually their cousin diddled them in the basement or something, and they start crying and boo-hooing. And it was all good because the age of the victim came into play. The mid-80s, I think, was the time when it was chic to be somebody's victim. So along with our topics tomorrow, with the holder vote, the jobless numbers, and the Supreme Court ruling... We're going to talk a little bit about victimhood and how it's chic to be the victim. So if you, if you believe that you're a victim and you have a victim story, you should come on out with it. Talk about how little Johnny put his hand up your skirt or how, you know, like me, I was a victim once. I I had a little I had a, a group of little girls chasing me around the playground. Hell, those chicks even chased me home. They didn't like me at all. I attended the John D. Shoup Academy, Chicago, Illinois, on 111th Street. I was new to the school, and the little girls did not like me at all. So they chased me down the street. They chased me all the way home. A group of girls. You heard me. It was a sad day. And they weren't chasing me for all the appropriate reasons either. Welcome to beauty. Nope, they were not. So maybe I'll tell my victim story. Maybe not. Because I think I just told it. But anyway, tune in tomorrow, folks, because we got a lot going on. A lot going on. G-Ski Rocks, he has a show tomorrow at 9 p.m. He does, and it's going to be great, as usual. And and GGT 183 Conservative Primetime with Cool Mike and Sarge, well, they're going to be on, too. So until that time, until tomorrow, I want to wish you God, well, I want to God wish you, you know, God bless you. God bless the United States of America, and tonight, it's kind of like Christmas. 
It's kind of like Christmas Eve. Because tomorrow, we get the numbers. We get the info. We get the, what we've been waiting for. Now, whether the law is upheld, whether it's not, whether it's thrown out, whether parts of it's thrown out, it's all going to be so exciting. I'm excited about it. Can you imagine that? Today, I got my AARP card. I'm officially um, an old person. I'm a senior citizen today. And then tomorrow... I have to look forward to jobless numbers and Holder being held in contempt and the Supreme Court's ruling on Obamacare. My my cup runneth over, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening tonight. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. We're out.